building better relationships at home and at work for people who have more than enough on their plate. Two coaches dangling the possibility of finding joy in your relationships. Do you dare to consider life can be better? Have a listen and tell us why. In today's podcast episode, Angela and Patty discuss building a better relationship with our planet and the environment around us. During lockdown, it gave time for the planet to heal in many ways. The air quality from pollution became better with less vehicles traveling. The beaches healed due to less people visiting and the wildlife started to populate. And Patty, I just had an interesting memory. Uh, someone told me that more people die per year from air pollution <laughs> than anything else on the planet. Well, wow. more than more than the coronavirus at this stage. So that is so interesting that by trying to control uh, death from a pandemic, we ended up resolving another crisis that does kill a lot of people more than this pandemic has. And during this lockdown period was the first time I heard people using the word healing. It was like collectively we began to see the planet become a better place and started thinking about how humans can be a better species. (laughs) (laughs) I've been working with healing all of my life And I feel humanity collectively now is ready to embrace what healing can be at the planetary level, which I see as coming back into alignment with nature and working in harmony with nature rather than allowing humans to overpower nature with no regard for other life on the planet. In our podcast episode 35, emotional and physical self-healing reset. Patty mentioned that during the lockdown, the world wants healing. And you said nature started to flourish. So Patty, how do you think the lockdown made us reflect on our role of being a steward of the planet? Are we doing a good job? (laughs) Oh, that's a good question, Angela. For some people, I think yes when they see the change in the environment and want to continue to improve the planet's healing. For others, probably not. It depends on what you think is important. Hearing about the turtles breeding again in places they hadn't been in years was pretty awesome. Seeing the air quality improve was fantastic. However, traffic is increasing with the world opening back up again so air pollution will increase. I heard a company making toilet paper, straws, and writing paper out of bamboo. And the concept is bamboo grows quickly and it could save trees from being cut down in the rainforest. There are ways to change our habits for the better and our relationship with the environment. I also saw on Facebook that a young man was creating a machine to scoop up garbage out of the ocean without hurting or killing the fish or the wildlife. 
There are cities growing gardens on the freeways to help with air pollution. And I've also heard there is a town in Europe that is recycling plastic and repurposing it on the roads. They're all amazing new inventions that have come from people. They, they sound fantastic. And one of the things that's important for building a relationship to the planet is respecting energy. And that uh, has been a very big part of my relationship with healing and taking notice of where you respect others, your own energy, where you give thanks and where you reciprocate energy. If you give energy and then you receive energy or if someone gives to you, do you give energy back or what energy do you give back? So the way we relate to the planet if we respect the planet, we give thanks and we reciprocate energy. If we take energy from the planet, we regenerate the soil or regenerate the resources in a way so that the planet can keep providing for us. That's a good example of being a good steward to the planet. And so in my movement classes or in my experience with the dance, I learned about how to listen to the body and respect the energy of the body. That was the first and the easiest way for me to learn respect of energy. So the easiest way when we were doing the movement was to feel when energy was flowing in the body and also what movements or what behaviours would give that sense that the energy was being drained from your body you probably do that every day you probably are aware of it but in the movement training classes that teach and share we pay special attention to it especially after a class we feel really good <laughs> from the movement and our energy is flowing it's just amazing how much dance and movement and working with the chi of the body can just liberate you from pain simply and easily so that's where I started to learn about the natural flow of energy in the body. And also I've done movement in nature and then found the elements of nature just easily aligned and balanced the body. So movement in nature, just walking in nature, shows us how to be at one with nature and respect it and to respect that energy because we appreciate the energy. And it's when we get caught up in modern life, the rush and the busyness that we fall into habits where we forget our own nature, our body, and that makes us feel disconnected from our body and then we get disconnected from the planet. So I'm going to share a few different ways to think about this, how this disconnection and this lack of respect for the planet. One of the ways that we can learn respect is to Think about the resources that you use in your everyday life and see where you may be wasting food or wasting resources. I got a chance to do this when I was 18. I was traveling with family that I hadn't shared a bathroom with before. And my family member explained to me that instead of using the whole of my toothbrush and filling it up with toothpaste, like they show you in the TV commercials, <laughs> 
instead of using that whole amount of toothpaste, I could just use a small amount of toothpaste. And when I did that, I found out that instead of that whole glob of toothpaste falling into the basin <laughs> or me swallowing too much toothpaste because I'd filled up the brush with too much, I just had the right amount of toothpaste. And so for 18 years, I thought you were supposed to use the entire toothbrush paste brush, the tired toothbrush, and fill it with paste. And I'd always end up toothpaste falling into the basin and I, I had never thought about it. So that was an example of just one thing that we're conditioned to do, maybe because of TV marketing or because your parents, it doesn't matter where it came from, but we get conditioned to use things and we have no idea that we're using too much and we don't need to use that much. So since that time, Angela, I learned something new today. <laughs> oh, because <laughs> I've been filling up mine, <laughs> my toothbrush. So oh, I'm going to try. I'm going to try that. And also, one other thing I wanted to share is that I heard about a company that you can send your used up um, toothpaste tubes to, and they'll they'll recycle them into something else. Yeah, so you would just mail in all of your toothpaste containers and then they repurpose them. So that's kind of interesting. So that kind of goes into your toothpaste story. That is hilarious. See how you can just, by sharing with people, you get these new resources of how to recycle or reuse or repurpose. And is that a USA company or is it more I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I had heard about it. I wish I wish I wouldn't known the company, but I don't. I just heard about that. That's what they do is they you you can mail in your toothpaste container uh, that holds the toothpaste, the tube, and they'll recycle it. Yeah, because I'm I'm a bit of a saver. So I cut the tube to try and get out every piece. <laughs> Well, if uh, I come then, across it again, I will share it. Thank you. <laughs> so every time I see a child with a full toothpaste um, on their brush, I usually see most of that end up in the basin. And this is where I was starting to think about as well. Kids really struggle <laughs> with having the brush full of too much paste. Yeah. And we're just used to doing with that because of the TV commercials. And most of that paste, because it's too heavy, the child just ends up getting it in the basin and very little gets in their mouth. That's so very that was the true. other thing. That was the other thing I thought, wouldn't it be easier for kids if they just learnt to use a little glob of it instead of having all of that and they're trying to balance it and get it get it to the mouth and it doesn't make it in to time. The mouth. <laughs> And that's just one thing. Just think about all the things we're conditioned to do. And we do it because of conditioning. We don't know why we do it. And so that is one of the ways you can think about how maybe there are ways that you waste resources and you could maybe do it a different way by learning from somebody else. And another area we waste energy, <laughs> and this is funny for me because I'm, I'm guilty of doing this, of not respecting energy. 
is where we get competitive about recycling <laughs> and saving energy. And, and we think I'm the best recycler and I save energy better than other people. So do you have a, a relative or someone that you live with Maybe you're the person like me who goes around turning off the house lights. Yes, that's me too, Angela. (laughs) So I go around with my partner and I turn off the electricity (laughs) dramatically and I look in his direction sometimes and he's just (laughs) blind to me. He doesn't care because we make fun of me doing that. And I get a big smug and I look at him and, I just use my eyes and then now I just give up. I just turn off the power because he's the one when I turn on the water and I just let the water go free, he says, what are you, Australian? You just have so much water, which is a joke because we don't have a lot of water in Australia sometimes. We have a lot now, but we have a lot of periods of drought and then excessive rain. So he's my partner's much more respectful of wasting water and so every time I I'm critical of him and give him the look for the lights then he has as much permission to be critical of me when I turn on the water but I find a lot of people criticize others for not being conservative with resources or not recycling or not being vegetarian or not doing the right thing by their standards And, for example, when I was in in France, my skin would crawl because I saw people throwing things that could be recycled into the the regular trash. However, if I judged them, how was that going to change anything? It wasn't going to change anything. And that criticism, the more I criticised, it just set up a bad vibe with the neighbours. And we often are very ignorant of this disrespect of energy when we criticize and we don't look at our own habits that stops us from generating good thoughts to the people we live with that will then become a way to be more creative so for example with my neighbors if I I started sending them good thoughts and they were actually having quite a hard time so they they weren't able to think about the recycling But every time I got negative, all it did was breed more negativity in me. And any time you see someone being superior, like, oh, those people who eat meat, they're so less. That's another way of breeding negativity. It doesn't mean that you're better just because you're vegetarian. It just means that you've chosen to eat vegetarian. So other people who aren't, they have their needs and the more we don't criticize others in the way that they use resources, the more we can look at alternative ways of using resources. And this is a really big part of energy. When, when I teach the movement class, I teach you how to use positive thoughts around energy and your body. Because if you have negative thoughts or energy about your body, it creates disease creates stagnated energy it creates feelings in your body where you feel bad about yourself and that's the same thing that we do to each other when we criticize others so that's one way to look about um, respecting energy and patty how can we look um, 
at looking after the planet in a different way and as a, uh, as um, benefiting the life of humans. Well, one of the things is, is I would ask yourself, what kind of relationship do you want with the planet? Another question to ask yourself is, what are your thoughts about air pollution, plastic waste in the ocean, and nuclear waste? And what can I do to support the environment? When I'm out camping or in nature and I come across trash, I pick it up, I put it in a bag, and I take it home and I throw it in the trash at home or wherever there's a trash can around, if there's a trash can around. I remember when I was visiting a friend in Hawaii and we were getting ready to go parasailing and a woman was fishing out the debris from the ocean with a net and this man said to her, why? There is so much trash in the sea, it won't matter. But to her, it mattered. Was she making a difference? Yes. One less piece of trash in the ocean that day. So when you think about it, ask yourself those questions. What can you do differently to help the planet? Or are you doing what you can now at this point in time? And that's, that's okay. As we were putting this podcast together, um, those questions you asked got me actually thinking. And as a result, um, I'm coming back to the movement and doing the movement in nature and helping people to connect back to their own nature in their body so they can come back into balance their own energy and their and respecting of their body and especially in nature because then it it builds that that connection with nature that I think we we really want on the planet but we still get so caught up in our modern world one of the problems I see from the modern world is that we we think that one person alone has little impact like that guy who was talking to the woman um, taking out the trash. Yeah. And we think just one small action won't make a difference. And this is where we can start to think differently. In fact, our world is asking us to think differently about these small actions. If you see yourself as powerless, as just one person, what can I do, then that will start you to make other decisions in your life that are bad for all your relationships. (laughs) Imagine, I'm going to give you a scenario. If I think, uh, I'm not going to cook dinner for my partner tonight because it's not going to make a difference. He can just figure out something for himself. I have done that, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) And he, his face, when he has to figure out something, he feels lonely, disconnected, because maybe I'm not having dinner with him. And then every time I make dinner, it makes a huge difference for him. That one action I see immediately in my home environment has a 
big impact on my partner. Every action that you do with care or consideration for the planet makes a difference, just like it makes a difference for my partner when I cook. One thing in Australia that we can be proud of is that we are one of the best curbside recyclers in the world. We're, we're mad about it. And we've been shown to do it more than most countries. However, where we fall down in Australia is processing those recycled materials into new products or doing anything with the recycled materials like you, Patty was sharing before about those toothpaste tubes. In Australia, we don't have enough companies or government programs to process the recycled materials. In the past, we sent a lot of those recycled materials to Taiwan, Indonesia, China, and other countries in Asia. And most of those countries, if not all, stopped taking our recycling. And that left Australia with a lot of waste, recycled waste, and we didn't have any answers on what to do about it. And we're still dealing with that situation. So it's become a wake-up call to start taking responsibility for our packaging, how we get rid of that packaging when it gets recycled. And this is a really big lesson about how do we individually and as a country take responsibility for what we put out into the world. We don't have the answers yet, but we need to start looking at, are we just criticising? Are we blaming countries? Are we looking at other countries and saying, oh, you're putting out more carbon gas than that country? Or are we actually looking creatively and going, wow, like this company you mentioned, Patty, the toothpaste tube recycling company, they've stepped forward and gone, hang on, I can do something. And the criticism isn't going to change. The creativity is what we need. The other thing the pandemic with the coronavirus has brought up is how we treat animals. And at the beginning uh, in 2020, there was a lot of criticism about the wet markets of Asia and how that was a big uh, problem for spreading the virus or creating the virus. But then later, <laughs> the virus got into the mink farms in a very progressive country, the Netherlands. And that also became a hotbed of transmission. So the farms in Western countries are also a problem for future pandemics and for this one. So how we keep farming animals in Western countries is also not the best if we want to prevent disease outbreaks in the future. I'm not saying we have to do away with farming animals, far from it. We're not ready to do that. We're not, we've got too many people on the planet that we have to feed. However, we have an opportunity to reconsider how to feed almost 8 billion people and more. The human species is becoming a burden on the planet and this will lead to disease. And so in the future, if we want to stop outbreaks of disease, then we can start to look at how we farm animals, how we keep animals, how we grow plants, how we use pesticides, how we use 
genetic modification and how we can shift to better ways of growing food and create better better possibilities of farming for the planet. And as a consequence, it will, will be better for humanity and controlling disease. We're not there yet. It's going to take decades before we can get there. And instead of criticism, we need to find creative ways of better farming methods and better ways to treat animals. The coronavirus is a wake-up call to start making individuals wake up and start forming groups to find new ways of producing foods that are less harmful and to find creative solutions to farming that will regenerate land and use land that has perhaps become desert land or degenerated and find ways to regenerate that soil. There's a, a, a wonderful guy who was in Siberia. I don't have his name, but he took desert land in Siberia and completely regenerated that land. So if someone can take the deserts of Siberia and regenerate that land, we can do that globally. So if you find yourself critical or you're in a negative frame of mind, <laughs> just consider that you're adding to the negative thought forms in our collective humanity that stops us from finding creative solutions. One example of this, the criticism, has been those who criticise genetic modification of the food supply. I don't like genetically modified food. <laughs> I don't like it. I don't want it. I never liked it. But it has filtered into a lot of our food crops and it's hard to avoid. Even in Australia, where there were more restrictions on genetically modified foods, we have companies that have sold seeds that were genetically modified to farmers. And so those genetically modified seeds have found their way into our food chain. So there's also products imported into Australia that have genetically modified foods. So these food modifications are part of our food chains in Australia where I live. So there can be a lot of criticism about genetic modified foods. However, there were countries who had drought and no way of getting food to grow that required genetic modified foods. And that food has kept those countries alive when they weren't able to grow foods. So from the people that want to get rid of genetic modified foods, we still haven't had food on a large scale to feed people who otherwise wouldn't be able to have food. And if we're going to continue to live in big cities with millions of people, we haven't worked out yet in this food supply chain how to get food from the country to the big cities. So we have to have ways of thinking in the cities about how to feed people that are going to make food be more um, positive if we want to move away from having genetically modified foods and if we want to have foods that are better for us. If we were today to get rid of genetic modified foods and the food supply chains, we'd have to restructure our shopping, our food supply and the way our cities are designed. 
And our cities and, and individuals, we're not mentally or socially ready for that. It might be more like 20, 30 years will be ready. So the small steps that you can do now to help in the big cities and the suburbs to integrate changes more easily and naturally in your own backyard, in your own patio, those small steps are the first steps to making the big changes that we need to see in our cities to have more uh, food supply chains that are in balance and in harmony with nature. I don't know what it's like in Arizona, Patty, but in Australia, we've had smaller communities for decades that have done natural farming methods and used permaculture. Do you know how it is in Arizona and those? Um, um, there, are, there are um, um, cows that farm, um, that actually graze in Southern Arizona down closer to the border that actually um, eat grass from the grasslands down there. So there is uh, cows that are eating off of the land. Uh, we have farms, farms here. We have um, citrus and different types of um, farm, farming communities. In Australia, we have for a long time had smaller communities that might have a collective garden or they'll have organic or pesticide-free or homegrown foods and they've been able to have foods available for the community. Yeah, we... Um... There is an urban garden in our city that people volunteer and plant and and make an urban garden in the downtown area. And there are also different communities that have their own little urban gardens as well. Those things are the first steps to the societal change that we could be looking for if we're going to have more farming methods and food supply methods that are going to be in harmony because the corporations right now are not going to change the way they supply food. It's a system that's already set up and it feeds enormous amounts of people. So one of the ways to start shifting is to really look at those small ways that you can bring balance into the way you source food, the way you shop for food, the packaging for food and also food waste that's been in the cities one of the biggest contributors to our trash in the world a lot of the cities people buy a lot of food and they don't end up using it and one of the biggest experiments that has proven you can change the way people waste food was in the UK so in the UK the British started an advertising campaign that said love food hate waste and that was done over a five-year period I think and over that five years the UK saw a 21% decrease in avoidable household and small business food waste. So they recognised in the UK that educating the home end user, the consumer of food is the best way to reduce a high demand on the food supply change chain 
And that's a really great example of how these small actions, by just helping you to start making different food choices, to not waste food, to look at how you buy your food or maybe wanting to grow in a shared garden or in your own backyard or your patio, those small actions can make a world of difference. So the question is, is what can you do to make a difference in the world we live in and your own relationship with the planet? That's already got me thinking. (laughs) No action is too small. And I really love that image you shared, Patty, of the woman fishing out trash from the ocean and how she said, yeah, it's, it matters to me. That role of caring and being a steward of the earth is something that we can reconnect to and it builds that relationship we want with ourselves where we care for each other. So if you want to explore the movement meditation class where you can look at connecting to that respect in your body and learning how to feel your energy, we'll put a link in the show notes. The class shares skills and how to build a caring relationship with your body and the energy body and it helps you understand what is that relationship between your physical body and the energy body which is a doorway to that spiritual part of yourself and it builds that respect for your energy and an appreciation and wonder for your body so that link we'll put in the show notes We would love to hear your ideas and what you are doing with improving your relationship with the planet. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed the podcast, how about becoming a monthly supporter of this podcast? Click on the support button in the Anchor app. And thank you so much for listening. Thank you for listening to Building Better Relationships with Angela and Patty. Send us a message. And please like or share the podcast or donate with the Anchor Donate button. We really value your feedback.